Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here for the Cups and Cakes Network. Today we have Daniel Monkman on the show. Daniel is the uh, lead writer and, and producer for a, a band called Zune uh, that put out a great, great record in 2020 called Bleached Waves. It was shortlisted for this year's Polaris Prize. Uh, we talked about the process of, of writing and recording that record over a period of many, many years. Uh, we talked about Daniel's 10-year break from music and, and what that did for him. Uh, we also dive into growing up in small towns. I'm, I'm from North Battleford, Saskatchewan, and Daniel's from Selkirk, Manitoba. So we talk a bit about uh, some shared experiences growing up in those types of towns and, and what it does to the young people who grow up in that kind of environment. This interview was recorded uh, at The Aviary before Daniel's show here in uh, August of 2021. They were doing a sound check at the time, so we hopped into the back alley to have a chat. A uh, little heads up, uh, there is a fierce amount of wind for the first little bit of the conversation, and uh, every once in a while a truck drives by, or, or there's some particularly loud birds, so you get some uh, pretty entertaining foley in this one. Of course, there is some foul language in this episode, so if uh, that's not your type of thing, listener beware. And Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. You can visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse all of our audio, video, and written content, as well as other episodes of this very podcast. Again, that's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's Daniel Monkman from Zoom. Yeah, my name is Daniel Monkman, um, also known as Zoon Godaiwin, and also known as Zoon. Excellent. Well, uh, <laughs> we're sitting out here. Uh, you're going to play at the Aviary here. What day is it today? The 13th? Friday the 13th of August. Wow. Um, we're sitting in the back alley of the Aviary to do this, just because they're still sound checking some folks inside. Uh, set the scene. We've got, I don't know what kind of bird call that is. Yeah, something. Maybe a pigeon. Uh, we've got a bunch of garbage sitting in front of us with uh, just a whole pile of wasps. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But it's perfect harmony, <laughs> you know? They're not bugging us. Yeah, not yet. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just to run through the format on mic real quick, we're going to do a little uh, rapid-fire section. Okay. Going to move uh, right after that into uh, some interview stuff, talk about uh, the new record, which is Bleached Waves. I guess new is a relative term, but... Uh, new-ish um and then at the end we'll play a track off that record to uh kind of wrap things up cool so without further ado uh very first question of the rapid fire do you have a like a specialty food that you like to cook that you feel like is like uh yeah your specialty Mm, i like to cook uh bannock pizza okay yeah bannock is a kind of a first nations traditional dish even though it's a Scottish dish, but for whatever reason, we've kind of taken yeah. it and have made it our own. But I, uh, I started making it maybe like five years ago, and I've just kind of continued. I haven't done it in a while, though, but it's the one thing that I like. I enjoy doing. Is Bannock fairly like, uh, like a standardized recipe, or are there like yeah. a bazillion different kind of like tweaks that people make? on that recipe you would you would think that there are many different like ways to do it um which there is but the ingredients i think are pretty basic 
Right. You know, I think a lot of people, if they heard what's in it, they would scream. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to, like, watch your weight or something. But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty heavy food, but I try to, you know, just try to enjoy the food. Yeah, yeah. What's, I guess, and then what kinds, what kinds of things on top of the Bannock pizza? Oh, just, like, whatever. Just, like, a normal pizza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything Maybe, like, some, some duck, because my family likes to hunt duck. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, maybe some Venice. My my stepdad hunts and my mom does too, so, you know, whatever you have around the house, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer tea or coffee? Um, I don't drink coffee and I don't drink tea, but if I were to choose, I would say tea. Oh, okay. Is it but, like a staying away from caffeine kind of thing? Yeah, but lately, uh, a partner of mine had shown me matcha and i get grande matcha frappuccinos and because it's supposed to be supposedly uh clean caffeine yeah 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 i didn't realize till till recently i've probably told this story like the last three interviews i've done so maybe i'll edit it right out but uh, the studio i work at very first day i was there got like this 500 hundred dollar pour over coffee maker um and i like hate coffee really don't like it and then had a cup of this coffee and it was like oh my god it's so good and then two hours later it's like i can never drink coffee again no yeah i'm the same way i get really uh, wired uh, stimulants <laughs> i'm more of a downer not a stimulant type person uh what's the weirdest job you've ever had um the weirdest job i think the weirdest job i ever had was uh when i was living in calgary I did rod busting for a short while, and it was a very intense job, carrying steel over my shoulder, and just like the the like yeah, just the lifestyle was really intense, and and kind of the culture around it, a lot of like homophobic men and yeah yeah and um, yeah so what it, what is rod busting? It's like reinforcing. Um, structures gotcha. so at the base of the building you like you make the foundation really tough and they do that by tying rebar and then pouring concrete on top of the right. rebar and they make these yeah just like these reinforcing structures that keep, essentially keep the building up yeah okay mm -hmm. <laughs> never done any trades job couldn't yeah. imagine that was my last time doing it, something like that <laughs> Uh, what's the first car you ever owned? The first car was a Ford F-150. I think it was like 2014. Yeah. Um, or 2010, actually. Yeah, it was the last car that I had, actually. The first car and the last car. No, actually, no. I had many cars after that, sorry. That was the first car. What, uh, what happened to it? How did it kind of meet its end? Um... I just ran it into the ground, I guess. I kind of just gave up in life, actually. I just, everything that was, like, requiring a lot of my time and attention just kind of got pushed aside, and my depression kind of kicked in, and and I kind of just stopped taking care of things, and one of the, thing, one of the stuff was, uh, uh, was the truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the, like... Uh, 
I mean, obviously, there's a million things with depression that are super shitty. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is underappreciated sometimes how it's like, yeah, when you're feeling that way, it's like uh, y- you can't, like, clean. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, <laughs> yeah, again, like, car probably needs stuff. Can't fucking do it. Yeah. And then all of those things kind of compile and make it, mm-hmm. like, harder. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a domino effect, like, within society, you know, like you have to keep working and moving forward in order to uphold like some kind of lifestyle yeah and as soon as the money in a job is kind of out of the equation things you know start to fall in line yeah a lot of people become homeless and 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 it all can start just from like losing a job and but a big part of that is mental health for sure yeah and yeah and i kind of that's kind of what happened in a weird way uh if you could put together a bill of like any handful of bands that you would want to see and uh put a show together what what kind of bands would you pick mm, i think like animal collective i i love animal collective so much like panda bear maybe my bloody valentine because i i love kevin shields and pop etc also known as the Morning Benders. Okay. Um, and uh, Beck. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I have a buddy of mine who lives in Winnipeg. Works yeah. at CBC. His oh, name yeah. is Colton Hutchinson. Cool. Um, I had talked to him beforehand because he's mentioned you to me before, and I was like, "What should I? What should I ask him?" Um, and he was like, oh, ask him about a Beck tape that oh, he Beck purchased tape. in Selkirk. Oh, yeah. So uh, here's my question about the Beck tape that you purchased in Selkirk, Manitoba. Yeah, I bought this. It was uh, it was actually a CD. It was, uh, it was Beck's Mellow Gold, his first um, record that he put out with a major label, David Geffen. Yeah. Because he had a few others before that. But this was like his first debut on a major label. And it came out in 1994. And I think I bought the CD in maybe 2002. So it was, you know, it was almost like eight years or whatever. Yeah. But um, I was just at a thrift store called Twice Over. And this was before I was even doing music or even um, had a plan. I just, I knew it was... The the dream that I had was just so big that I just didn't think that I would actually be able to do it. But one day when I was at this thrift store, I found this CD and I was like, Beck, I don't I recognize this artist. And I remembered back in the day, my cousins used to watch the loser video. And there was like this native guy on this rooftop playing guitar and and that was like ingrained in my memory yeah and so i bought it and at the time it was only 50 cents like you know like now thinking back i'm like wow what a find and but i remember taking it home with my friend scott willett and we put it onto a cd player and played it and while listening to it i just it, it it just occurred to me that um that I could do music yeah. because the way that Beck was was what I was trying to be and it didn't seem like he was like this classic, classically trained musician in any sense and it gave me a new perspective it, ga- it, it made me think that I could like uh, 
do music in my way right and maybe have a chance at succeeding yeah yeah so beck's a solid pick then to see at a show <laughs> yeah i mean you know i have a partner who hates on beck and <laughs> reminds me every other day that he's not that good but <laughs> i think i confronted them about it and now they don't they're starting to see a different light about Beck because he has many albums and you know he's he's definitely in my to me iconic yeah yeah uh is there a social media account that you follow that brings you some joy as opposed to the endless (laughs) um you know not joy of social media yeah i think i follow this one called pleasant cats (laughs) that's a classic pick Um, yeah and uh there's like a lot of furry animals on there when i want to get that kind of dopamine blast i (laughs) i put it on and i'm like okay it's not that bad these are pleasant cats yeah um (laughs) yeah uh do you prefer sports board games or video games uh well right now i'm playing a video game on my phone so i would say video game i was at a board game the other day and it was i didn't really enjoy my time there and um what was the other one uh sports sports. and sports i just think it's weird but (laughs) i can understand how people want to believe in something so um they choose sports i think um the kind of magic of sports and like i'm not a huge sports guy either but um is that you get to feel like you're like part of a team exactly which can be like i can respect that great and can also be obviously not great (laughs) yeah like mob mentality yeah you you get together with some people and you go like flip over cars or something and destroy like a downtown of a like wasn't there like a huge riot in one of these in a city i think it was vancouver yeah vancouver yeah just think it's weird and a lot of privilege but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah what a reason to do that hey yeah (laughs) yeah uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any like hobbies or kind of niche interests that people might think are kind of, uh, uh, off the beaten track? Mm, I guess just music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's by the standards of most people, a little weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's starting to turn into a career, not much a uh, hobby, but yeah, I remember trying to explain to an unemployment person that music was my career and they're like no it's a hobby (laughs) and i'm like no it's a career it's gonna be a career this mind you this was like 12 years ago yeah and uh but now it's turning into a career and but in a weird way i don't know i guess living would just be a hobby yeah yeah (laughs) like a weird one (laughs) uh is there an uh an album that spurred your love of music um probably beach boys pet sounds was something that really changed um the way i thought about music yeah up until that point like i like bob dylan a lot but i just thought he was just too full of himself and i can i always tried to be cool like him and i'd always just like feel really like awkward yeah and then when i found out about brian wilson and how he was just this gentle genius um yeah, I just fell in love with them, and my mom bought me the 40th anniversary of uh, Pet Sounds, and I just remember it got me through high school. But then also, 
it got me into multi-tracking. Right, yeah. And, and from there, my creativity just uh, exploded. How, how old about were you? Um, for that record, I think I was like 14. Okay. Just like getting into high school, so maybe 15 a bit. And and that's when I started like putting out records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still go back and listen to Pet Sounds? Does it like still do something for you? Yeah, it does. I haven't. I've more listening to Smile, the other the the follow up album. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I can go on about that record for a long time. Yeah, it's my one of my personal favorites. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, when I listen to that track, because Pet Sounds was very like. It was very clean and very like cut in like perfect little shapes and yeah and smile was more like what I'm into now like that's why I like Animal Collective because I kind of think those are those are very similar. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people talk about yeah Animal Collective and that Smile project in the same breath pretty often. Yeah, and it's kind of what I'm trying to do. You know, I was even my record Bleached Waves was very influenced buy that and just kind of like the little sound collages that i use and yeah yeah just experimental type stuff i'm now trying to create my kind of like pet sounds record you know very like clean yeah very orchestra based and orchestral and and um yeah so i'd say smile be something that changed my life uh very last question then for the rapid fire kind of part of things um are there any uh kind of bands or artists that are a little smaller that you think uh deserve uh, a shout out or deserve some more attention that uh Mm. yeah that you really love an artist that i'm working with right now actually two of them the two artists that i'm that i've hired to play with me for this run is michael peter olson and andrew mcleod who is a goes under the name Sunsetter. Okay. And I would say I would say those two are artists that I would um highly recommend to people. Cuz they're both geniuses, you know. Are they they're the guys that you're playing with tonight? Yeah, yeah. How did you kind of hook up with them? How did you Uh I found Michael just over the internet cuz when I moved to Toronto or whenever I moved to anywhere, I'm just like very resourceful and I always try to find like the best musicians and yeah and i like go over and to like send them messages and really get to know them and michael was one of the first kind of uh you know artists that i was like always like pushing my number to him and and then we spoke on the phone and became friends and i played on his records and he's played on mine and and then andrew i was looking for a drummer when i I was done. Mu- I wasn't doing music for ten years, and then when I started to do music again in Hamilton, I needed a band, and so I I found Andrew on the internet. I can't remember who showed me him, but someone did, and he was just doing all his little beats. And yeah, I met up with him, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's really solid." And um, yeah, and he's been with me since. So it's been like three years or something like that. He he's been playing with me. Uh, perfect. Well, uh, we'll kind of pivot into the second part of things here. Cool. Um, I guess, uh, how's the pandemic been treating you? How has that been? You know, um, I feel like a lot of artists kind of said this, but not much had changed for me except for playing live shows, which 
I don't really enjoy doing all that much. Right. Uh, I more enjoy um, writing music and recording it. And that's what I really enjoy doing. And I enjoy my time alone. And, you know, that gives me time to process certain things that have happened in my life. And I feel like for many years I was just distracted by uh, work and and other types of things and so the pandemic gave me a chance just to kind of like put a break on things and and really explore some of my past traumas and and I really needed that and I yeah. absolutely needed it like I needed it very soon in my life and I didn't know when that was going to happen but then all of a sudden the pandemic happened and I was like damn like this is the this is the answer that I was kind of looking for and not to say that that I've struggled in the pandemic but um I've I've definitely excelled I've had a lot of downtime and I put my record out during the pandemic which yeah I you know I kept telling the label like we can't do it but we had already waited two years to put it out and we were in the middle of our album cycle and our PR push that we just couldn't turn back so we pushed forward and and that that was a good move i it really it made the rest of the pandemic really smooth where i had all of a sudden like a lot more money than i had to begin with and yeah it it allowed me to like just like solely figure out my music and what i want to do next um where the job that i had they really wanted me to come back and work and i was like i i like during the pandemic and i kept pushing it off and and then finally i just left once I was kind of more financially secure and yeah um but it there's been like some setbacks too like I lost a friend during the pandemic and I couldn't fly out to Manitoba to his funeral yeah because of it and so there's ups and downs but um for the most part it's been okay yeah yeah was it was it like a relief to actually put the record out even though it was kind of under like not exceptional circumstances like especially too like i i didn't uh i was unaware that it had been kind of sitting yeah like mostly done for a while Mm -hmm. uh yeah i guess did you at least get some relief out of finally having it out there totally like i finished the record in 2017 and i released it as an ep just on my own and toured across canada with it no one really paid attention all that much actually i think i played here during that run and uh, no one really paid attention people thought it was cool I knew it was awesome and um, and then I showed it I found it Daryl Weeks on the internet and when I moved to Ontario and I showed him and he thought it was amazing so he vouched for me for at paper bags and got me signed within a few days and and then they then they're like okay well it sounds great it's an EP but you know like um here's like some money for if you want to like make it better or whatever you want to do here's some money so i took the money that i got for it and made it better and i added a few more songs to make it a full length yeah and and um and yeah so there was a lot of time there was like you know there was like 2017 and then finally like 2020 is finally when it came out yeah and so there was a lot of time in between where i was still stuck at this cleaning job and i didn't really know what was going to happen 
you know, it was tough keeping the dream alive. But I learned a lot of discipline because I did step away from music for 10 years. And yeah. And waiting an extra four, I was like, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> and, um, but then it, it all made it worth it. Once I put it out, I got, you know, immediately people um, responded to it in a positive way. And, yeah. And, you know, now it's like been a year and people are still talking about it and it's still giving me um, opportunities. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you go back and, and listen to it now, uh, assuming that you, you do sometimes. Yeah, I do um, sometimes. <laughs> uh, do, do you like, do you hear different things out of it? Like, do you get something different out of listening to it now? Cause it's been a little while. Yeah. The, it's weird. I was listening to it the other, the other, um, week and there was cert- I was listening to it with different studio headphones in my home studio and, um, there were certain sounds that I was like, I was like, oh wow, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> like, it just like, it was a, uh, it was interesting to hear it, and I just enjoy that. You know, sometimes like, I made that al- album so long ago that yeah. I forget how I did certain things. So listen back, I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> uh, hopping back in time, then e- even more. Um, y- you grew up in Selkirk, right? Yeah, Selkirk, Manitoba. What's uh what's what's Selkirk like? Uh, I guess how many pe- people is it like? What what kind of place is it? Um, Selkirk is a really small town. Well, it's not a town anymore. I remember the day when they took down town of Selkirk and put up city of Selkirk, <laughs> which was, you know, everyone thought it was like this this like great thing, and but I think. They just meant that meant they passed ten thousand people. Yeah. So, you know, Selkirk's I think Selkirk's in the big leagues now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, it was a small town. Uh, it was beside a prison, so a lot of jail like convicts l- would leave, and some of them would go to Winnipeg. But there was a time where they decided not to go to Winnipeg, they'd go to Selkirk, and a lot of drugs and violence and gang, gangs started to like, just like overtake the city, and unfortunately, when I was younger, I was just a young native guy, and you know, I didn't have music, I didn't have a group of friends who were like, into that kind of stuff, I was more with like, other kids who were kind of like, from a single parent family, and just trying to find like, father figures, and unfortunately, that was like, with gangs and right and i got into a lot of trouble and that's not a reflection of selkirk but it was my reality and and um and it's gotten better but yeah lots of violence um yeah where i grew up yeah i I know um i'm from a town in saskatchewan called north battleford oh yeah i know it which um by all accounts, sounds like a similar kind of vibe. I, I think um, those places are difficult places to grow up in, particularly. Like, um, you know, I, a couple of years ago, CTV did this, like, feature story about North Battleford because they have the highest crime rate in Canada, apparently. Um, it was called Crime Town. Crime Town. <laughs> and, and there was some story about, you know, some guy who got, like, stabbed in his truck and dragged out of his truck and... Um, who, it's funny because, um, 
this is completely tangential. I know that guy. He's a fucking dick. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and like it, it sucks to say that because he got stabbed and that's really horrible. Did he but, survive? Oh yeah, yeah, he was fine. It's just, uh, it's just then too that afterwards it's like, yeah, the person who stabbed him was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and and it's like, um, speaks to I think how, how um, tough those kinds of places can be to grow up in. Yeah. Um, well, it's just like what I was talking about earlier, but like, you know, society like you either like participate and assimilate into society and how it's structured, and if you don't, then you you get desperate. And, yeah. And on top of that, not so stable mental health it causes you to yeah choose a life of crime and. Yeah, and, and that's what happens in these small towns. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, like growing up in that kind of situation for me, right, it was like I moved to Edmonton when I was 18, and it took until I was, like, 23, 24 to be like, man, every single person I know that I grew up with has, like, some kind of substance use problem. Yeah. Like, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think small places like that kind of breed those types of issues because there's not really necessarily Much- anybody who has a great mental health uh, background in those places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't much, there wasn't many resources for that type of stuff. Maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting a lot better, but I just remember, I never heard of anything about like mental health growing up. Yeah. It wasn't until like I had to go to rehab that I learned about that stuff. Uh, when did when did you actually start playing music then? Like when did you start playing in bands and stuff? Um, early, early, like two thousand two. Was was that happening in Selkirk then too? Yeah, I played in a few punk bands and you know just trying to play with other people who had music uh, instruments and like minded folk and yeah, I always found myself as a guitar player. I was in some like pretty weird bands. And then just like one day, like I remember trying to bring in like a tambourine to a track and the person was like, no, we don't want any tambourine. (laughs) And so I just quit that band and started doing my own thing. And I've just done that ever since. I haven't really joined any other bands except for just recently. I recorded an album with someone. But yeah, since then, I've always just kind of been a solo artist. Yeah. What what was the the you've mentioned a couple times like a ten year break where you didn't do much playing for a while? Mm-hmm. What I guess what prompted that and what um, like what did that look like? Mm. So I was doing music from like two thousand two to two thousand ten, and in two thousand ten, a friend of mine, um, under the circumstances that we were just talking about, like yeah. crime, poverty, um, had passed away from a drug overdose and. And it kind of just like messed me up. Like I couldn't, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I started to like get very nihilistic and, and I couldn't process death for some reason. I, I just, it, it really, it spooked me Yeah. to the core where I couldn't focus. I was just like consumed by, um, by just like, yeah, just overthinking about death and where do we go after this and what is life what is real like am i in a simulation like does it matter if i die and it caused me to just like 
yeah, I had just a lot of intrusive thoughts and yeah, and I found that the alcohol and and pills and stuff like that kind of slowed things down. So, so my life started to get really unstable when I realized that alcohol and stuff could really help me and slow things down. So, in 2010, I got or 2000, yeah, 2010, I got signed to Woven Records. Yeah, um, found them over MySpace, and. Uh, so they found me on MySpace, and then I put out an EP, and then I was getting ready to put out my debut album that everybody around in Winnipeg was getting hyped about. And but my my health was just te- deteriorating, and I couldn't play live anymore. Yeah, I couldn't hold a guitar. I couldn't write. And in 2011, um, it just got to a breaking point where I needed to. I just needed to like stop and either decide to live or decide to just kind of die. And I chose to live, so I packed up my stuff and I moved to uh, BC. And before leaving, like I told the label that I had finished the record and they could do whatever they want with it. And told my mom that I would go seek treatment and when I felt better, that I would get back into music. And I didn't realize that it was going to be like a, almost a decade later until I felt ready to do music again. Yeah, yeah. Is is there stuff in that kind of like 10-year period where um, like, I guess obviously that whole period is probably like hugely influential on the way that you are like making music at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything that you think about kind of often and reflect on often in terms of like the way that you are approaching making things now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I learned how to, I leading up to going to treatment and stuff like that. I wasn't really living. I was more just laying dormant in some kind of state of mind. I don't even know how to describe it. I was, I was very emotionally flat and not present. And when I came out of treatment and I decided to live again, I also had to learn how to live again. Yeah. And, you know, like I learned how to breathe. I went, I, I was doing like yoga and, and guided meditations and these breathe. And I was taught these breathing techniques, how to calm myself down. So I learned how to breathe again. I didn't cook too much food before that. So when I moved into this other house, this aftercare house, I learned how to cook again. I was like learning how to cook and I learned how to like take care of my hair and I just like learned how to read a book, just like all these things that I kind of wasn't paying attention to beforehand or I kind of, I guess I was doing, but just not that well. Yeah. And, and so, so all those kind of skills that I learned, um, amongst other ones that that have are made me self-aware about like how to like check in with myself and be like how am i actually doing today where's my anxiety at and you know and then that's how i just i've integrated that into my music now where you know i'm i'm a little bit more cautious about things and my concepts that i write about are, are different and yeah, it's just a bit um, taking recovery and putting it into the music. Yeah. Um, you know, because it essentially saved my life. So 
if I can put it into me, my music and people can hear about it, say in this interview or through the yeah. music, it might be able to help them kind of ask those questions about their li- own lives and be like, you know, yeah. am I actually happy? Am I actually, you know, how am I feeling today? Yeah, I, I know um, just in terms of like talking about like mundane things, right? And learning to kind of pay attention to that stuff. I don't know what it was I was listening to recently, but people talking about just like, you know, I, I think doing any kind of art is just about learning to pay attention, mm-hmm. right? And and learning to really like um, notice things, I, I guess. Yeah. And in terms of like talking about recovery and addiction stuff, like, because um, that, that was my past year too. Uh, I started kind of dealing with that shit, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, it's like, yeah, you just learn how to, pay attention to things yeah um which uh yeah it's like super super important i think to to make good art right mm-hmm. um on that note i guess what what so if you're sitting down to like write something what does that process kind of look like like do you have ideas that you know that you want to write something about or do you just kind of um, you know, like sit down and start fucking around with instruments and it kind of takes you somewhere. Yeah, because when I was when I was in treatment, um, I had to do a lot of writing. I had yeah. to just like write about um, how I was feeling. And sometimes um, it would just, I would do like free writing where I would just kind of start just writing and let my kind of subconscious take over. And, and in your subconscious, you're you um you like connect to something higher than you and and you know feelings start coming out and and with my music that's just how my process is i i get up i go to my little desk it's actually big desk now (laughs) and i just start you know making some putting some chords together and okay and um just start to write chords and and then the music just like comes out yeah and then once i have the music and some makeshift lyrics then i kind of can start to fine tune and be like oh what am i actually writing about what am i talking about here yeah, but yeah. sometimes it takes years to actually like uh to realize what i'm writing about you know even stuff about bleached waves i really had to like force myself to to write down what I thought the songs were about because I was about to do a press release and right and people were asking what do the songs mean and I'm like I don't even know it usually takes like years to figure this stuff out <laughs> so I'm still like learning and I'm listening to stuff and I'm, the album and I'm like oh that's what I was talking about yeah yeah so it's really interesting are you like a fast writer and then you end up like uh ditching material that you feel like doesn't work or do you kind of like sit and work something until it like really really works um i'm a little bit of both i write music real fast um but then sometimes i get ahead of myself where i'll write five six songs right in a week and then i kind of neglect some of them and then months later i'll go back and i'll be like oh yeah this song and then I'll start working on it again. So it's just like a little fast sometimes, but I always make my way back to the tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as we're getting kind of close to the end of uh, the end of our chat here, um, like like what's kind of next on the docket for you? Like what's what's coming up? 
Um, just finished r- writing the second album. Um, it's all done. I'm working with uh, Owen Pallet, and we're like writing a string quartet for every song. Oh, <laughs> cool! And I have Charles Spearin from Do Make Say Think. Yeah, he's uh, mixing it. And then uh, I wrote an album with Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene. Um, and my friend Adam Sturgeon. And we just finished it, and we're going to be putting it out. We're just trying to find, like, the right label to put it out for us. And and then that should be coming out in a month. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then maybe Polaris. Yeah, yeah. Next month, if I win it, then that will kind of kickstart some newer new opportunities. I don't know where, but... Yeah, so a lot going on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even those two projects are like, ooh, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I guess that's pretty much as good a place as any uh, to cool. kind of wrap things up. Uh, is is there a track from Bleached Waves that you'd want to play at the end of the episode here? Yeah, I think Bleached Waves. Title track? Title track, yeah. Always a good choice. It's the title mm-hmm. track for a reason. And I didn't even realize that it was going to be a title track. Like, I, I, when you're making something, you're like... It wasn't until after. I was like, oh, yeah, the title track is Bleached Ways because it's named Bleached Ways. <laughs> but it just didn't occur to me when I was when I was doing that. Yeah. And, yeah, so I'd say that song because it means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, I guess, what what made you choose it as the title track? Like, what's what's special about it or what is... Uh, what makes it kind of define the rest of the record in that way? I think because it's just like a sincere um, song about Selkirk. Yeah. And about my friend Travis, who's passed on now. And, yeah. And just about, you know, going to the fair with your friends and kind of like remembering when when you weren't like so stressed out and you were just kind of like a young kid. And yeah. You're just like, you know you're just moving through life without uh, without so many like responsibilities and i think sometimes you like think back at those moments and you like it means a lot because when you're older it's just it's a different it's a different life and and some people think feel like they missed out on their childhood and it's oftentimes i feel like i did but also there's certain time the certain parts in my childhood that were really good yeah and in bleached waves i kind of sing about that and but i also reflect on um now it's kind of like the past present and future well uh perfect so this is uh this is a song called bleached waves from the record bleached waves Polaris Prize shortlisted, perhaps by the time you're listening to this. Polaris Prize winning. Maybe. Bleached waves. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for talking to me. It was a real, real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Shannon. It's been nice.
Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Bleached Waves, is played with permission from Zoom. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as both our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>